Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. He puts in to prepare. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Morning, everybody. Well, if you haven't noticed, it's Advent, isn't it? Wow. I mean, that, we did that carol, this, the first service. I was quite undone. It took me by surprise, just the, the wonder of it all. But Advent, do you know, Advent, traditionally, Advent means three things. It means he's coming, obviously. But Advent means he's coming, the baby is coming, Jesus. And it means God's coming into human hearts. And it means Jesus is coming back. All those three things, that's what we celebrate in Advent. And the word Emmanuel, that's the, the, uh, our theme, if you like, for the Christmas series, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And you can say the same about Emmanuel. It means God is with us in this baby that comes. It means God is with us in our hearts, all our lives. And it means God is with us. We will be with him at the end. But Emmanuel, this word, it's, uh, it's from Isaiah's prophecy, 750 years before Christ came. He said, a virgin will conceive and bear a child and you will give him the name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is not a name. They said you'll call his name Jesus. Emmanuel actually is a title, like Prince of Peace and Wonderful Counselor. It's a title that tells us about who this baby is, about what he does, what he's come for. Emmanuel, God with us. Because this baby came, God is with us. God can be with each one of us in a way that was not possible before. So this morning, we're going to look back where it all started with Mary. And first, Gabriel appears to her, doesn't he? And before he even tells her this mind-bending news about the baby, the first thing he says to her is, Mary, the Lord is with you. And as if seeing and talking with an angel wasn't enough, Mary pretty soon knows that the Lord is with her because she's pregnant. And then it looks like there's going to be a disaster because Joseph's going to divorce her quietly. The wedding's going to be off, calamity. But then the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, says, Joseph, it's okay. This baby is by the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. The wedding's back on. Hooray, wonderful. The Lord is with me. And then Mary goes to see her relative, Elizabeth. You know the story. Further confirmation, straight from the heart of God. As soon as Mary comes in and says hello, it says Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. It says the baby in her womb, that's John the Baptist, does a somersault. And then Mary herself is filled with the Spirit. She speaks out this wonderful prophetic song known to the church as the Magnificat. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. So it's all wonderful. How wonderful for Mary to know God is with her. How wonderful to know that she's part of his plan, that she's securely in his hands. Wonderful. That's Luke's gospel. That's chapter one. Then we come to chapter two. Let's read some of this together from the beginning, chapter two. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Or there was no room at the inn. That's also a perfectly good translation. 
And you know, people have looked at these verses and they've tried to unpack them and get behind them and what's the time scale and what's really going on and how does it fit with this? And, you know, Luke says at the beginning of his gospel, he says, these things have been handed down by eyewitnesses. He says, I've carefully investigated all this because Theophilus, that's the guy he's writing to, I want to give you a clear account so that you may know with certainty the things that you've been taught. So Luke has done his homework So I know people try and unpack this in different ways, but I think you can take it as it says. This tells us what Luke wants us to hear. So let's let's go on. It starts, Joseph and Mary have to make this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's about 90 miles. That's a long way when you're heavily pregnant. Now we don't know whether there was a donkey or not, but I guess there must have been something. They couldn't have walked it. And however they did it, it must have been quite an ordeal for Mary especially. And they seem to be on their own. Whether or not the baby came early, whether they surprised them how early he came, we don't know. But they don't appear to be well prepared. There's no space for them, no room. And whether it's in a stable round the back of the inn or whether it's the courtyard or some other guest accommodation, we don't know. But there's no room, there's no availability. So Mary has to wrap her baby in cloths and put him down in a manger. And whether they were surrounded by the ox and ass and whether the cattle were lowing, we don't know all of that stuff. But we do know a manger is a feeding trough for animals. It would have been dirty, smelly. But Mary was making do because that was the best she could. There was no room for them. There was no other provision available. So this much we do know. They'd had a difficult journey. They're on their own. They weren't properly prepared. There was no room for them And Mary had to use a manger, a feeding trough, to put her baby in. Beyond that, we can only imagine, speculate. They were tired even before the birth from a long journey. Childbirth is painful, it's messy. It's the first time for both of them. It must have been quite scary. There are no comforts, there's no help. Maybe it was cold where they were, maybe it was smelly. Maybe things got a bit fractious between Mary and Joseph. Joseph, that manger's filthy. Yes, but it's all there is. Well, can't you clean it up a bit? Oh, Mary, I'm trying. No baby grow. No Moses basket. No midwives. No willing grandparents to look after the baby. No newly painted nursery. You see, any first-time mum feels vulnerable, don't they? You feel a weight of responsibility for your baby. You feel anxious for him. Is he okay? Are we doing okay? I imagine Mary felt vulnerable as she lay there in the stable or the courtyard, exhausted in the dark that night. I imagine she may have felt pretty alone as she wrestled with her thoughts, because we know she was a thinker, and there were some things even Joseph couldn't have understood and shared. Lord, what's happened? Lord, what's gone wrong? This isn't how I imagined it when the angel came to me. Surely this isn't how it was meant to be. It would have been okay if it wasn't for that blooming census. If only I was at home in Nazareth, in my own house, with my friends, with my family around, instead of stuck out here in Bethlehem, nowhere to stay. Why did there have to be a census? Lord, have I messed it up somehow? Have I I got it wrong? It all seemed so good earlier on. I, I trusted you and I was excited. You said you were with me, but how can this be right? If God is with me, how can this be happening? Is God still with me? You ever been there? All seems so good at the beginning. 
You were sure you'd heard God. You knew he was with you. He was leading you. He was opening doors. You'd seen his blessing. Could be your marriage, your family, your job, your career. Could be something you felt God had given you to do for him. Some some special calling, some, some desire you had to make a real difference. Some dream he planted in your heart. It was so exciting, all going well, but now this. If it wasn't for that census, I imagine Mary saying, what would you say? If only I hadn't got ill at that crucial time. If only we hadn't had that accident. If it wasn't for the economic downturn. If COVID hadn't come. If only she hadn't met him at that party. It could have been so different. Surely it should have been different. I thought God was with me, but it's all gone wrong. How can God be with me when this has happened? Ever been there? And I wonder if for Mary, that manger might have been the last straw, if you'll pardon the pun. The crowning indignity, the thing that seemed just too much to bear. It wasn't like this, you see. This is from a Hillsong nativity video. Oh, it's soft focus and cutesy baby and light streaming for heaven. I don't imagine it was like that. Probably more like this. Those are mangers. That's what it looks like. So imagine you laying your baby down in a recycling bin or in some beer crate in a lean-to around the back of the pub. That's more like it. There's nothing sentimental about a manger. No mother wants that, not for any baby, never mind a special baby. I don't understand, Lord. How can you be with me if this is happening? She might have shed a silent tear. She said to herself for the umpteenth time, if only it wasn't for that census. And she couldn't have heard the soft whisper of heaven. No, Mary, this is how I want it to be. It has to be this way, Mary. This is deliberate. My son comes with no fanfare of trumpets. I want him to come with no comfort, no money, no warmth, no ease. I want him to come in obscurity, in the dirt, in the mess. My son comes at the bottom, Mary, not the top, in the manger. See, my son has laid aside all trace of glory. He's come to suffer. He's come to serve, to live the life of every ordinary man. Not the elite, not the powerful, not even the comfortable. In fact, he'll soon be a refugee in Egypt, Mary. You'll find out about that later. But Mary, I want my son to be ordinary in every way. Subordinary even, not extraordinary. The manger's perfect. Nothing beautiful, nothing attractive, nothing impressive. No one will ever be able to point to him and say, oh, it's different for you, you don't understand. Mary, I know it's hard for you. But the manger is deliberate. It has to be this way. But you see, Mary couldn't hear any of that. Instead, she heard a different noise. She heard the shuffling of feet, muffled voices in the night. Back to Luke 2. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things. She pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now you see, that's one conversation I'd love to have overheard. As the shepherds peered in to the stable or the courtyard, they told an open-mouthed Mary everything they'd seen and heard. Imagine Mary's relief. Oh, it hasn't gone wrong after all. Imagine the joy that would have surged through her heart. I still don't understand it, but I know God is still with me. Just one thing she might have said to them as the shepherds turned to go. How did you find us? How did you know it was us? They'd have pointed to the manger. That's how. The angel told us. That would be the sign of baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Now there might have been other babies born in busy Bethlehem that census night. There might have been other babies wrapped in swaddling cloths it says. That's, the cloth goes round their arms, keeps them up so where they used to tie them up. There might have been other babies but no other baby lying in a manger. Just the one. Bet your life the only one. And the angel said that's the sign you see. And Mary might have shed a different sort of tear at those words. The manger. It was a good thing, not a bad thing. That's how this wonderful news, this fantastic confirmation came. Hallelujah. God, thank you for the manger. I'm so glad we came to Bethlehem. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought it's all gone wrong? God's nowhere in sight. I don't understand. And then, ah, now I see. Now I understand you are there. You do care. Oh, I wish I'd believed more. I wish I'd trusted you in spite of everything. Thank you, Lord. See, so often, don't they, things look utterly hopeless, totally incomprehensible until God shows up. We can pray and we can pray and there's nothing and there's nothing until it happens, whatever it might be. Totally unexpectedly, right out of the blue. Everything changes in an instant. Suddenly there's a bunch of shepherds at the door. <laughs> or whatever it might be. Ever been there? I have. I've been there and I felt embarrassed. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, Lord, I could have trusted you after all. Forgive me. Now, listen, I've only got one point this morning. Here it comes. <laughs> we could go round the room this morning, couldn't we? Between us, we would all manner of situations in our lives right now. Situations of real pain, confusion, disappointment, struggle. Some might be fresh and raw. Some might be decades old. Some might be things that others have been through as well. Some might be things that seem unique to you. Some might be live situations in the sense that it's still just possible there could be some good outcome. Some you'll think, well, that's just it. I've just got to live with it and get through it somehow. I don't know your situation, but I do know this. If you're a Christian, then God is with you. doesn't matter how bleak or how hard it seems, Emmanuel, God is with you. I don't know what he will do in your situation. I don't know how he will help you. But I do know he's with you. I remember sharing three years ago a story I read about a man called Ron DiFrancesco who was in the Twin Towers that day when the planes hit. 
And uh, he was in a stairwell trying to escape. And he couldn't go up, it's blocked. He couldn't go down, it's blocked. He's lying on the floor, gasping for air, overcome by smoke. And then he says a voice spoke to him and told him, get up. He had a sensation of being lifted up, of being led to the stairs, of being led downwards, led to run through the fire until he got through to the 76th floor underneath the level of the fire. He says, at that point, the unseen helper left me. And he made his way down to the very bottom. He was the last man out of the South Tower before it collapsed. The hows and whys he does not know, but he is certain it was an angel. Now, I read that story again more recently, and the Lord spoke to me very clearly and unexpectedly. He said, I'm with you like that all the time. All the time. There may be times when I make myself more you're aware of me I make, I make myself recognisable if you like but I'm with you all the time it's not just crises I'm with you like that every minute every second every day I'm with you and we struggle with the reality of that don't we but I think you see that's what Jesus knew he talks in Matthew 6 of your father in heaven who's unseen but who sees you when you pray he sees what is done in secret he'll reward you Your father, he says, who knows what you need before you ask him. Who loves you to ask and loves to give good gifts to his children. Your father, who he says is perfectly aware of all your earthly needs. He says, seek my kingdom first. I'll give you all these things as well. Even two a penny sparrows, Jesus says. Not one of them falls to the ground outside of your father's care. He misses nothing. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. You see, this unseen God, Jesus says, just because you can't see him, you doubt he's there, but I know better. He's always there and he cares for you and no one can snatch my sheep out of my father's hand. There is no safer place than that. Because you see, your life, my life, It's not just some minor sideshow. It's not that God's taken his eye off the ball. He's too busy with something more important. That's not why things have gone wrong. You see, the story of Mary, we've just looked at. This is the biggest thing God has done since creation. It's the most important day in the planet to date. Emmanuel, God has come to us. And yet right in the middle of this, the central character has no idea what's going on. All right, I'm imagining. But I imagine she's there, vulnerable, distressed, confused, afraid. What's going on? But God is still with her. So if you feel in your situation, you don't know what's going on. If you feel confused and in pain, I just want to say, don't be surprised. You're not alone in that. That's like Mary. It doesn't mean everything has gone wrong. In fact, not to understand is quite normal. If it's true for Mary, right there at the heart of God's great rescue plan, then why shouldn't it be true for you? You see, our confusion, our pain, are never proof that God has left us. But they do mean we need to reach out to him and press into him to prove instead the opposite, that he is with us, that he is good, that in, right in the middle of this situation we can find his help. That's what we have to do. So if you're in any situation like that right now, I just want to suggest to you five steps, five things you can do so that you can prove in your situation 
Your father loves you. He's with you right now, right in the midst of it. He'll never let you go and he is good. So here we go, five things. First thing, commit your way to him. Place it in his hands. Say, Lord, this is yours. You lead, I'll follow. Whatever you give, whatever you don't give, I'll accept it as being from your hand. Just you take over. You be in charge. You see, that's a conscious, deliberate act. It's a choice, submission to him. Trust that he is there, that he is with you, that he knows best. And even, you see, just this one thing, it might be a complete change of direction for you to give it up to him instead of struggling with it yourself. To let go of the regrets if it wasn't for the census. Whatever your census might be, whatever your regrets, you give them up to him and you say, today is a fresh start. I place myself in the hands of my loving Heavenly Father. I'm involving him deliberately in my situation. Maybe for the first time, that's a start. And the second thing follows on from it. It's completely obvious. Ask him for help. Help him whatever way. You don't have to tell him how it's going to work out. This is what I need. Just say, Lord, help. If you've committed your way to him and you're no longer telling him what the answer should be, then you can just say help. Because he knows. Because he cares. Because he sees you. His eyes are always on you. Because he loves you. Jesus says, didn't he? I thank you, Father. You always hear me. I know that. It's the same for you. He always hears you. The third thing. Ask him for a sign of encouragement. Something to strengthen you, to give you confidence that he really is with you. Something to hang on to, to take you on to the next step. You see, Mary had the shepherds. That didn't change anything external, but it surely changed her mindset. It says Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. They gave her strength. She could go on because of this. See, God loves to encourage us when we take the first step on the way of faith. So ask him. Give you your very own shepherds or manger, whatever it might be. But something to let you know that Emmanuel, your God, is with you. Something that you can treasure and ponder and get out again and again and look at it and remember, yes, my God is with me. Ask him for a sign of encouragement for when it gets tough. Fourth thing you have to do, you have to persevere. Persevere in the situation. Persevere in trusting God. Nothing's happening persevere nothing's changed persevere still don't know what's ahead persevere you still feel weak still see no light at the end of the tunnel persevere and don't do it alone get a few people with you you can share with people who will encourage you speak truth to you people who will pray with you that's what they're there for you're never meant to do this all on your own ask the Lord for strength very often you find that comes through his people but never give up for one simple reason, your God is with you, still with you. Until finally, that's the fifth point, finally. To James 5.11 says this, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. See, if you know the book of Job, you know how much he suffered and how much he lost and the pain he endured and how he hung on to God through gritted teeth until finally God showed up and God met him and spoke with him and God restored to him and God blessed him greatly. But you see, there is always a finally for God's people who trust in him and who persevere. 
But until you get there, until you get to the finally, you don't know where it's, when it's coming, you don't know what it's going to look like. But you know there is a finally. The Lord will bring it about because he is full of compassion and mercy. You see, that's a non-negotiable. That's the rock before which every other situation must finally bow down. Now that finally might be a glorious resolution that we never saw coming, that we never thought possible. God never answers prayer until the moment he does. And at that moment, everything changes. And sometimes then we just leave us speechless, doesn't he, in wonder and in gratitude. Or finally might be strength and grace to persevere right to the end, to overcome by enduring, praising his name until our final breath. I promise you both a victory. I know we want the first one, don't we? But actually the second is even more glorious sometimes. I want to just tell you, um, we were in Canada uh, this summer. We had a, a great holiday. It was a wonderful privilege. But we did a lot of driving. I had a hire car. And on holiday, I'm a bit of a fretter. It seems holidays especially, a bit of a fretter, a bit of a worrier. We're doing a lot of driving. So driving long distances sometimes in, you know, there's nothing for miles. Out in the mountains. And I'm thinking, suppose we break down now. Suppose the car breaks down now. Five of us in the car, all the luggage. Miles from any, suppose we break down now. And I know I have to fight those. I know I have to decide to trust God. No, Lord, you're with us. It's okay, you're with us. We're not going to break down. And then there's another. No, even if we do break down, Lord, I know you're with us. Even then, I've seen it. I've proved it. You've been there, Lord, when we were in trouble. You're there. Even if we break down, I'm going to trust you. And I'm doing all these you know, mental, just trying to take the thoughts to the Lord and trust him. And there was this morning we'd left and we were right out in the hills and I just felt the spirit whisper to me. And there's something more than even me managing to trust. What he said, I have a chance just to give God the gift of something very precious. Father, I trust you. I trusted you, Lord. It's like, you know, if you've got a toddler, you know, and they say, go on, you can do it. So I'm with you. I'm not leaving you. You can do it. Ah, ah. They're too afraid. And they turn around. They won't go. You feel disappointed. I'd have been there. You could have done it. You could have trusted me. In the same way, we can choose to give God something very precious. Father, I trusted you, didn't I? I give that to you. In the midst of the situation, in the pain, in the confusion, in the anxiety, you can say, Lord, I trust you. That's what I want. That's what I want. Even more than getting it right, I want to give him something precious. Because the truth is, Paul says, Romans 8, we know, we know. I hope we know. I hope you know. Do you know? We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things he's at work and in all things he's at work for good. Now I have to tell you, you read on in Paul, some of that good sometimes is being made more like Jesus. That's sometimes what it is. Sometimes it's enduring through hard things for the glory that is in store. That's more wonderful than anything we'd get on earth, but it's not what our focus is a lot of the time, but actually that's wonderful. That's part of it, I've got to be honest with you. But equally part of it is seeing him help you, seeing him strengthen you in this life, whatever you're going through. Because one thing is certain, nothing, 
nothing in all creation, not in height or depth, not angels nor demons. There is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank you that you are full of compassion and mercy. Father, maybe situations we're all too aware of. Father, we bring those to you now. Father, thank you that in all things, you are the God who is with us, who will never leave us or forsake us, never let us go, because we are children, because we matter to you. So Father, I pray help us now in these situations. Help us to trust you. Help us to press into you. And I pray, Lord, where people here need encouragement like Mary did. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.